The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Bet $50 at Winbet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with Winbet. Download the Winbet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. Also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold hard cash with their over-under game. Just head over to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group and Sleeper will automatically match your deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to check out our relaunched merch store where you can get all your favorite SGPN gear. Just head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Six games across 19 days in four countries, all to get United ready for the 7th of August at Old Trafford, and that season opener, and it all begins in the heat and the humidity of Bangkok against very familiar opposition. Diaz, one-on-one, he's so dangerous when he cuts in. Diaz! Good save, David De Gea to his left. You know what he's going to do, Diaz, but it's so difficult to stop. Yeah. Yeah, he loves coming in off, off that left-hand side. Nicely worked. Sancho cuts in and finds Anthony Martial. McTominay falls for Bruno Fernandes. Chips it just above Martial. And then 1-0 United. Sancho pulls the trigger, finds the net. And that's United's first goal in pre-season. And Jaden Sancho scores against Liverpool. Bruno Fernandes. Fernandes, lovely reverse ball. Here's Martial. Martial, was he tripped? Martial. Now Fred, the little clip. Fantastic. Brazilian brilliance from Fred. He brings the Rajamangala Stadium to their feet. A gorgeous clip from Fred. 2 0. Palestri makes it four. 
and this young Manchester United second half side with a memorable strike well from looking like they were probably going to just try and you know contain this team of superstars that have now come on for Liverpool and not looking like they were a goal threat whatsoever they've just scored an absolute well started by that man in your picture and numerous interceptions that he's made in this in this second half United's first pre-season friendly, which could have gone much better. The Ten Hag effect. United four, Liverpool nil. You are listening to Bet MEFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Bet MEFC Twitter account. It's at Bet MEFC. That's at Bet MEFC. You can also follow the Twitter account for the Soccer Gambling Podcast. That account is at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. And finally, you can also follow my Twitter account for LockBetting.com. It's at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. So LockBetting.com without the dot. LockBetting.com is my premium pay service that has delivered so far 109 months in a row of transparent track profit. We are just one week away from saying that is 110 months in a row. And that makes us 10 months away from being able to say we haven't had a single losing month in sports betting for a full decade. We need to get to 120 months. We are 10 months away. But so far, we have navigated 110 of those undefeated in sports betting without a single losing month for nine years and two months so far. If you want to be a part of this service, head over to lockbetting.com and sign up in time to get our futures. They will be coming out in the next 10 days. Our futures hit at 81%. So you definitely want to get on board in time to get your soccer futures for the 2022-23 season. If you wait till August, they'll still be available, but you may miss out on some of the early prices and you'll definitely miss out on our transfer window action. So far, we have cashed plays on Mateus Delit, sorry, and Christian Eriksen to move to the correct clubs with those being Bayern Munich and Manchester United. So if you want to cash early, if you don't want to wait till August, sign up now for the month of July. We are still also betting on baseball and the WNBA. We've only had one loss in the WNBA this season. And of course, plenty of tennis action coming off a red hot Wimbledon where we nailed the male winner and the female winner as well. If you want to do your research before you sign up, head over to the at LockBettingCom Twitter. Look at the pin tweet. Pin tweet, sorry, the pin tweet is always the PL from the previous month. If you want to see other PLs go down to the bottom, you'll see little tags. They say things like uh, tennis, basketball, soccer. Click the one that says PL because then you'll be able to see all of the other previous PLs. You'll be able to see the type of bets that we do, the stakes we put out, the sports we bet on, and most importantly, the members' comments underneath the bottom verifying every single PL and subsequently verifying the fact that this service has legit has legitimately delivered 109 en route to 110 months in a row of transparent track profit. Now, lockbetting.com began the season that Manchester United last won the league. Yes, that's right. It's been that long since United have won the league. And I don't think it's going to happen this season. 
but I also don't think we are going to be a team who are struggling to mount any kind of challenge for the Champions League places. I think we are going to be right there, especially from what I've seen. If you look at last season, when Manchester United signed Rafa Varane and Jadon Sancho, a lot of people felt like they were the two missing pieces of the jigsaw. At the time, nobody was really talking about a central defensive midfielder. It was mentioned, but it was more important at the time to get Varane in as a defensive partner for Harry Maguire instead of Victor Lindelof. And of course, Jadon Sancho was a player that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wanted in his front line for a long time. Then came Ronaldo and suddenly there was a real, real hope that we'd win the title. Suddenly it wasn't a case of we were a team that were lucky to finish second. Suddenly we were a team who were just a couple of signings away and Ronaldo was the one who was going to get us over the line in the eyes of some people. I mean, I I admit I was very optimistic at the time and now... Obviously, we saw what happened. Manchester United haven't qualified for the Champions League. It was a very, very poor season, setting records for all the wrong reasons. And now people suddenly think that very same squad that they thought were going to challenge for the league, a lot of the same players that finished second the season before, now we are without um, well-known parasites like Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba. Nobody's given us a hope of finishing in the top four, even under Eric Ten Hag. And I find that very, very surprising given the fact that this was a manager who took Ajax to league title after league title. And more significantly, because people will turn around and say, Anyone can win the league in Scotland. Anyone can win the league in in Holland. Anyone could win the league as the PSG manager. Yeah, I get that. But the fact is, this man knocked out Real Madrid and Juventus from the Champions League. This is a man who won all of his Champions League group games last season as the Ajax manager, including two wins over Borussia Dortmund, including having uh, Lissandra Martinez in his team, who marked Erling Haaland out of the game. Yet people are making a big deal out of the fact that we've signed a five foot nine centre back. Ideally, would I rather sign a six foot one six foot six foot four even centre back yeah I would but the fact is that I trust Eric Ten Hag and I trust everything that I've seen so far I'm not going to deep dive into these friendlies and give them too much emphasis and say they are the reason why I'm optimistic but obviously it helps and if you look at the narrative imagine it had been the opposite way round. Man United seem to be in a situation where they can't win. They've won these friendlies. They've won them all convincingly. As we're recording the podcast, they've beaten Liverpool by by um, by four goals to nil. They're just coming off a win against Crystal Palace by three goals to one, where they were massively convincing in the first half as well. They're playing some good football. They're pressing again, something they wouldn't do with Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll talk more about that later on. And nobody's giving them any credit. But had they failed to beat Crystal Palace, had Liverpool beaten them again and added to the fact that Liverpool beat us 5-0 and 4-0 last season. People would then be saying, same old Man United, it's not going to work. Eric Ten Hag hasn't got the dressing room or whatever. But at this point in time, he's won every single game and people seem to be ignoring it and just brushing it off as saying it's pre-season, it's pre-season. Well, you can still look good in pre-season and most importantly, you can still develop a style of play. And it looks like Eric Ten Hag has got players bought into his style of play. We're seeing headlines there saying that he's going over the top with his disciplinary measures and some of the players aren't happy with it. This just seems to me like 
papers trying to sell papers because that's what the media do and Manchester United are the biggest club in the world every time there is something written about Manchester United it's already an automatically bigger story that's going to garner more eyes and attention and I feel that's what the media are doing they're using Manchester United to get eyes onto their papers the the, the clickbait is right there Manchester United generate the most attention via these clickbait headlines and that's what I feel it is I don't really buy into this I understand understand that last season we did have some moles in the dressing room but I don't think that's the situation right now especially when you see the likes of Lingard and Pogba gone and when you see Lingard and Pogba and you see Jesse Lingard doing his little intro video today for Nottingham Forest and you see Paul Pogba dancing around and doing videos for, for, for Juventus I see everything wrong with Manchester United over the last five years. And I see all of those things leaving and exiting through the door. Obviously, some other players have gone as well. I'm not saying that Juan Mata was a big problem for Manchester United. I'm not saying that Manu Matic was a problem for Man United. But they but they weren't good enough to be Man United players by the end of their time. Yes, they came in as, as signings that could do a job at the time. But by the time they left, Matic and Mata had no place in the Man United squad. And neither did Pogba and Lingard. Now, obviously, people will turn around and say, I have to eat my words when Pogba goes to Italy and, and tears it up in Serie A with Juventus. But that's not the case. That's simply a slower, a slower league. And Jesse Lingard, even if he tears it up again with Nottingham Forest like he did with West Ham, he's a big fish in a little pond. And that's where Jesse Lingard needs to operate. He couldn't operate with the big fish at Manchester United. He got plenty of game time and didn't do anything. And Paul Pogba's had five years to do something and he hasn't done anything. So I'm happy to see the back of these players. I'm happy with a fresh start. And I'm happy with everything that I've seen from Eric Ten Hag so far. And, and for some reason, that is seen as being overly optimistic. It's overly optimistic to see your team winning three games in a row. It's overly optimistic to finally be seeing a style of play, a pattern of play. And ironically, it goes back to the way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team were playing the season we finished second. We've gone again with a quick front three. Previously, it was Greenwood, Martial and Rashford. And now, obviously, Greenwood isn't there. We've got Jaden Sancho. However, Greenwood was re-added to the Manchester United uh, website, which is confusing because he's up there now and and there's still no information as to whether he's on bail or not, or whether the whether the CPS have let have dropped the case or whatever. We don't know what's going on. All we know is uh, Mason Greenwood was randomly added back to the Man United website. But when you have those players up there and they're pressing the ball and they're trying to win it up, high, win it back high up the pitch, and we score a goal like we did in the last game where we carved open Crystal Palace. When I see that type of football, when I see us playing the way that we're playing, when I see some chemistry there, when I see some running there. When I see some pressing there, when I see Eric Ten Hag shouting down the touchline, what the fuck are you doing to players when he's not happy with what he's seeing, then that does give me some optimism. This manager gives me optimism because it was only a few years ago that Real Madrid wanted him to be their manager, when Bayern Munich wanted him to be their manager. Now suddenly he's gone to Manchester United. People seem to have forgotten how rated Eric Ten Hag was for what he did with Ajax. And now we're hearing the same old oh, anybody can win the league with Ajax. It means nothing to win it with Ajax. Well, it meant enough for Real Madrid to want Eric Ten Hag as his manager at one point where he was the heavy bookies favourite. And surprisingly, they ended up going for Carlo Ancelotti from Everton. Obviously, that's paid off massively because they won the Liga and they are the current holders of the Champions League. So no criticism for that. But the fact is, is that they did want Eric Ten Hag. But it just seems like when Manchester United make decisions, they are criticised. Part of that could be the way 
because of the way that we act in the transfer market, which still has to be heavily criticised. Yes, we have signed Lissandro Martinez. Yes, we've got Malasia and Christian Eriksen over the line. And Malasia has looked good so far in a couple of games that he's played. But um, but yeah, we haven't got our main target, which is Frankie de Jong. And we're still in the market for a striker, which I believe will be Anthony. And we've still got Cristiano Ronaldo out there looking like he's trying to find other clubs. And uh, us turning around and saying that he's still part of our plans, even though he couldn't be bothered to turn up for pre-season. Now, I think it's pretty much a given that Cristiano Ronaldo will not start in the first game against Brighton. I don't know how this situation is going to play out. It does look like Cristiano Ronaldo wants to go, but it does also look like Manchester United want to keep hold of him. And more significantly, probably, it looks like nobody wants to buy Cristiano Ronaldo to the point where there are now joke memes out there about Ronaldo um, phoning up clubs and everybody rejecting him. You know how Twitter is, you know how it exaggerates things. And uh, we're seeing these big lists of clubs that have apparently rejected Ronaldo from Bayern Munich to PSG to Chelsea to to now possibly Atletico Madrid. I don't really buy into that. But at the same time, I do buy into the fact that there is no interest in Ronaldo. Because if there was, somebody would have taken him off our hands by now. Because I do think Eric Ten Hag would let him go. Because despite the fact publicly, he's having to say that he does want to keep this club legend who scored 18 goals for us in the league last season and 24 goals over overall I just don't see how Cristiano fits into the plans I never did and now after watching these latest performances watching Martial score in every game watching more importantly how we're playing stylistically where it does seem like pressing the ball is absolutely central to what we're doing I don't see how Cristiano Ronaldo plays in this team because what you're essentially doing is you're stylistically changing everything to accommodate a 37-year-old. You're no longer going to be pressing the ball. You're going to need to change everything that you've done in pre-season. Everything will look completely different simply to accommodate a 37-year-old who has made it very clear that he doesn't want to be there. As things stand at the moment, um, I would prefer to get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo. It's almost sacrilege to say that, but logically, when you look at the way the team playing and look this isn't an overreaction to anything this isn't an overreaction to Martial scoring every game because I know Anthony Martial not personally but I know how Anthony Martial is he does have periods where he does this and then suddenly he'll go off the boil and he won't score for 10 or 15 games that's Anthony Martial I'm not saying that Martial is the answer but I am saying that this style of football is the answer it was the answer the season that we finished second in the league it looked like how we were going to go into the next season with Sancho coming in, having that competition for places with Martial and Greenwood and, and Sancho and Rashford. Um, it looks like they, they will be the four people that are available again this season with, with possibly Anthony coming in from Ajax as well. I think for me, I'm very, very satisfied with that attack. And um, last season, we didn't have that. Instead, we had Cristiano Ronaldo up there. Uh, we had Cavani as a backup. Cavani is a little bit more suited to the style than Ronaldo. We saw that in the season that we finished second. Cavani scored some very, very key goals coming off the bench and even began to start games because he was able to press. Even though he's also in his 30s, Cavani showed that he was a player that had a lot of yards left and was able to press the ball. We've never seen that from Ronaldo. Ronaldo has firmly remained in the 1% of attackers when it comes to pressing the ball. And that's a stylistic mismatch for the way Manchester United have played throughout the pre-season. And again, as I said, I'm reiterating, it's not me putting more emphasis than I should into pre-season results or anything that we've done. It's the fact that we finished second the season before playing like this. 
It's the fact that we went completely downhill and didn't have any identity with Ronaldo in the team, similarly to what we saw with Juventus. Yes, Ronaldo got his goals, but Juventus haven't ever really recovered from signing Ronaldo. Perhaps they will now. Perhaps they'll get back on track this season with Pogba returning and obviously the signing of Di Maria and then now being in the market for a new centre-back with De Ligt going to Bayern Munich. Perhaps this is now the, the rebuild for Juve where they will challenge for the league. But it took them some time to recover from having Ronaldo, not least financially because of the wages that he commands. And yes, you can make a certain amount of that back on shirt sales. But at the end of the day, it seems like there is a disruptive nature to Ronaldo in the dressing room. Is he a bad professional? No, of course not. He should be a role model to these players. But the modern day footballers don't like to be told that they're shit. The modern day footballers don't like to be told that they're not doing enough. The modern day footballers don't like to be told they're lazy. The modern day footballers just don't like to be told about themselves. I think Eric Ten Hag could be the combination of what we need. He could be the the best friend like Jurgen Klopp, along with being the the tactical mind of, of Pep, along with being able to maintain the strictness of a Mourinho. Now, I'm not saying that he's the best of all three, but I'm saying he seems to have a, a combination of all three, which could be fitted to the modern day player, could be suited to the handling of the modern day player. The same vibes that I get from Thomas Tuchel. Is Thomas Tuchel more successful than Guardiola or Klopp? No, but I do get the fact that um, I do get a vibe, sorry, that, that Thomas Tuchel is a good blend of what the modern day manager needs to be. And I get the same thing from, from Eric Ten Hag. But as I said, it's early days, but so far, so good. Uh, the Ronaldo situation is obviously a black mark and we have to deal with it. But I'm impressed with what we've seen so far. I'm impressed with the style of play and I'm impressed with the results. I'm impressed with the manager. I'm obviously, as I said, not impressed by what we've done in the transfer market so far. It almost seems like we have to get this Frankie de Jong deal over the line, especially if we do end up losing Ronaldo. I think it would be seen as an embarrassment if we don't get him after sending representatives down to Barcelona to talk to him after chasing him through the whole summer, especially with this narrative out there that Barcelona are desperate to sell and Frankie de Jong is desperate to say, but most importantly, Frankie de Jong is desperate not to go to Manchester United. I just don't think that would be the case because if that was the case, why would Manchester United pursue it? Why would Eric Ten Hag make us embarrass ourselves? Why would he allow us to embarrass ourselves? Why would he not pursue another target? For me, I don't believe that's true. There's obviously been some kind of flirting, some kind of conversation between Eric Ten Hag and Frankie de Jong. There's obviously some belief that we can get him. Otherwise, we would not agree to fee with Barcelona. And that's the key part. And a, a fee has been agreed. Some people in the media are saying that Frankie de Jong is just saying stuff because he wants to get his 17 million euros that he's owed because he deferred his wages because Barcelona were in a difficult financial situation and he doesn't want to leave until he gets his wages. Some people are saying he only wants to stay at Barcelona because he's very, very settled in the city, likes the city, is married and has just bought a house and just wants to stay there. Some people are saying that he wants to go anywhere but Manchester United. He's open to leaving but wants to go to a Champions League Cup. Some people are saying it's anywhere but Man United because Man United are a mess and he doesn't believe in, in the project. I believe that isn't true. I do believe there has definitely been conversation. I obviously don't think this guy's going to end up losing out on 17 million euros. So that's understandable. And I do believe somehow, some way, this will get worked out because Barcelona need the money. They can't continue to be in their financial situation and somehow sign Rafinha and Lewandowski and, and, and Kessie and still manage to be okay without letting anybody significant go. I think Barcelona need to get 
this 60, 70 million pound, whatever it is or whatever it ends up being from Manchester United. And they don't need this player. They have a plethora of central midfielders that are the same player as Frankie de Jong. Obviously, Frankie de Jong provides something different in the way that he brings the ball out and sets up attack, something that Manchester United need. And I think there's a very, very obvious obvious need for, for Frankie de Jong. I can't identify it here, but Eric Ten Hag has obviously identified something, which is why he's made this his priority in key signing. What it does look like is that Manchester United are signing a lot of players that like the ball at their feet, that like to play with the ball, a lot of technical players. That's why we've signed ourselves a technical centre-back in, in Lissandro Martinez. It's why we've signed Christian Eriksen, who does seem like he's going to get some game time. It does, does seem like he's coming in to be more than a sub. And if you are playing Eriksen and Bruno Fernandes, then you do need a definitive central de- central defensive midfielder. And as good as Fred's been in pre-season and as good as his goal was, I don't think he's going to be the guy. So I do think that Frankie de Jong is going to be the player who sits in that position if we end up getting him. And Eric Ten Hag has gone on to say this week that he's obviously acknowledged that we are in there for Frankie de Jong, which again makes it more embarrassing if we don't get him. And he said that we'll have to train a player, we'll have to create a player that we've got from our squad or teach a player how to play in that position properly, which which he's able to do. Because one thing everybody says about Eric Ten Hag is everybody that plays with him, every player who plays for him is better. And you just need to look at that Ajax squad that got to the semi-final of the of the Champions League. They, they were all sold off for millions and millions of pounds from... Um, from Van der Beek to 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 Zayac to Chelsea to De Ligt, all of these players were sold on. The whole squad was sold on. And then what he did is he bought in new players and he got another squad. He built another squad. He coached another group of players to still win the Dutch league and still to go far in the Champions League. This is still the team that won their Champions League group with a 100% record and bashed Borussia Dortmund twice. So you cannot knock this guy. He's just created two teams at Ajax, not just one, not just that golden generation that were all sold off for millions and millions of pounds. He created a second team because he is an incredible coach. And I believe in his coaching and I believe that he will be able to make players better. But obviously, I also feel that if he is desperate for Frankie de Jong, that we have to do what we can to get his signing over the line. And, and I just don't think that it's going to be a case of Manchester United having absolutely zero indication from the players. If the player had honestly flat out told Man United and told Eric Ten Hag, I don't want to play for you. I think it would be over. I think we'd be looking at other options. Possibly Yuri Tielemans from Leicester. The media have said it would be a lot more easier to get him. His situation is a lot easier with him having just one year left on his contract. And Leicester looking to cash in on him because he isn't signing a new deal. That would make a lot more sense. And perhaps that will be something that happens near the end of the window. But I still hold out hope for Frankie de Jong. And, and not because I think Frankie de Jong is the answer. Personally, I, I've never felt like Frankie de Jong for me was one of my top three midfielders in that position. Personally, I prefer someone like Joshua Kimmich from, from Bayern Munich. Obviously, he's not available. But um, but if Eric Ten Hag sees something in Frankie de Jong, then, then obviously I want Eric Ten Hag to get his man because I believe that he has an exact blueprint in his head for how he wants to take Manchester United forward, how he wants us to play, what players he wants where, what system he wants to play, if he wants us to press, when he doesn't want us to press, how he wants us to defend, how he wants us to bring the ball forward. I believe that Eric Ten Hag has all of these things worked out. And if he has identified that a player is stylistically central to that, despite what I think of the player, despite the fact that I think that, you know, Frankie de Jong isn't exactly the most creative player. I don't think he's the 
best tackler in the world. I don't think he's the most intimidating presence at five foot eleven. I don't think he's a particularly great ball winner. I, I, I don't see the key attribute of Frankie de Jong other than the fact that from obviously watching him and, and what we've seen from, from a lot of compilation videos that have been made by, by Manchester United fans, he likes to, to bring the ball out. He's, he's a skillful player who likes to travel with the ball. He can take it from one edge of the D to another, which is obviously important, but obviously more difficult to do in the Premier League, which is such a physical league. But as I said, I'm not Eric Ten Hag. I'm not a world-class coach. I don't have this blueprint in my head in terms of how exactly I want everybody to see, everybody to, to play and how I see things moving forward. He does. And uh, that's what we have to trust in at the moment. And we have to support him, hopefully getting every single signing that, that, we, that we want. And uh, hopefully that will get us Back where we belong, which is back in the top four. I think that's a realistic aim for this season. I'm seeing a lot of pundits that agree with the odds makers that we are the sixth best team in the Premier League this season. And therefore, we are outsiders to make it through to the Champions League. But I'm also seeing these people rank Tottenham as the third favourites for the league this season off the back of the signings that we've made and we'll talk more about that when we preview next season's EPL because as I mentioned we have three EPL previews coming out in the first week of August so I'll reserve my judgment on Tottenham then but what I'll initially say is they've made six signings how many of those signings are actually going to start for Tottenham? How many starters have they signed? Is Richarlison a starter? Is Perisic a starter? Other than Basuma, I don't think that Tottenham have signed any starters that make their first 11 any stronger. So I don't see how that makes them guarantees for the top four. And I certainly don't see how that makes them title contenders. And I'm not singling out Tottenham. We've also got Chelsea up there as well. Um, we've got question marks over Liverpool. Is the signing of Darwin Nunes going to work? Is he an adequate replacement for Sadio Mane? Sadio Mane is heavily underrated for his contribution towards Liverpool. He was the first guy there who who implemented that press for Jurgen Klopp. Salah and, and the rest followed afterwards. So I think he's going to be a big miss this season. It'll be interesting to see how Liverpool cope without Sadio Mane. But we're going to talk about all of that when we do the three EPL previews. And of course, there'll be another edition of BetMUFC in a couple of weeks' time. But until then, that's it for this episode of BetMUFC. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.